0: Often we photographers look at what we do as a solo career. But in truth, some of the most amazing photographs you've ever seen are the product of an entire team of creative people. Today, we'll talk fashion photography, art direction, and a lot more with Scott Kelby on this episode of Behind the Shot. Hi, once again, welcome to Behind the Shot. I'm your host, Steve Brazzle. This is the podcast where we try and get inside the mind of great photographers by taking a closer look behind one of their shots. As always, if you've got suggestions for a guest, reach out to me on social media or through the contact page at thisweekinphoto.com. I answer everybody that, that sends me an email. I'm more than happy to get any feedback that you might have. So today, to start off 2018, I've got a special guest. And I've actually spent, I forgot to tell him in the green room, actually. I've actually spent the weekend thinking, how am I going to introduce this guy? There's so many things that I can say. There's, there's, there's too much to do. Um, to say that he is an icon in the world of photography, when I first came up with that word in my head, I thought, icon, wow, that's a big word. But it actually fits. I'd like to welcome Scott Kelby to the show. Scott, how are you, man? Hey, I'm awesome, Steve. Thank you so much. I, you know, it's funny. And by the way, love the hat. Thank you. For the, the word icon kind of fits you and here's why. I've been thinking about this interview all weekend long, sweating and being nervous. Uh, you are so many different things. You literally do wear many hats. You're, you're a photographer, but you are an educator. You are a businessman. You're an author. You're a public speaker in demand. You're an amazing musician. And I didn't realize this. I thought you only played guitar, but as I was doing research on you, you also do drums and piano. And base. And base. Okay. So talent tends to lean towards having more talents than, than a lot of people know. But one of the things about you that's amazing to me is so many people in your shoes that run Kelby One, right? The gold definition, the, the standard for judging online training in general, not just photography training, right? Creative training, Kelby One is the gold standard by which everything is, is judged. Many people in that position that do Kelby One, that do Photoshop World, uh, that do Photoshop User Magazine, that write as many books as you do, would stand back and have staff that does the educational portion. And you have amazing instructors on Kelby One. But you still choose to go out and do your live seminars, to do classes on Kelby One. Is that just because you love teaching?
1: Well, first, Steve, let me just say, you're my favorite person ever. So let's just get that out of the way. Okay, good. I'm good with that. <laughs> there were so many nice things you just said. You were very, very kind. Uh, but uh, no, I, I love to teach. I, I think that you know is is kind of my calling, the thing I'm supposed to do. So I do love to teach, and uh, it's kind of you know I realized that early on. I'm that guy that when I like I go to a restaurant and I really like it, like I gotta tell everybody else, like oh my gosh, you gotta go try this. That's kind of when you know you're a teacher because you you've learned something and you got to tell other people. So I love to teach, and I also love one of the things that's an added benefit. Like when I'm right right now, I'm on the road with this Lightroom seminar. Well, I, I talk to hundreds of people every time we're out on the road and I know exactly what their problems are. I hear what their latest struggles are, what they're dealing with, what they're struggling with. Then I can take that and come back and, and address that. I can do tutorials and I can do classes and all that kind of stuff. So there's a great advantage to being out there and, and talking to the end users, people that, you know, It's if you just sit in your office all day long and make content after a while, you're just making the content for you. But when you actually get to talk to other people and you're like, oh man, I didn't realize people were getting stuck there. I can do a video on that. And that's a that's a great thing. Yeah, There's lots, and, of, lots of advantages to it.
0: Yeah, and like I do, you know, at uh, local PPA affiliates and, and PPC affiliates, I do presentations on concert photography. And it's the same type of a thing is one of the things I love about speaking to, to people about photography in particular is no matter what type of photography you do, it still applies to everybody right? I mean, concert photography is just low light action photography. Yes, it is. There's there's no, there's no special magic sauce that, Oh, I'll never do that. Yes, you do. If you go shoot your kid on a high school football field in high school football field light from up in the stands with a 70 to 200 and, and a variable aperture lens, you've got the nightmare I have every day. It's the same thing. So with all of that said, right. And I mentioned, you do Photoshop World. You do all the Kelby One stuff and Photoshop yep. stuff. You're one of the original Photoshop guys. You also do your annual Scott Kelby photo walk. Now, <clears throat> what was the what was the impetus of this? What made you think you could get pull off, right? Which you've done many times,
1: a worldwide photo walk on the same day. Okay. Now, no one's ever asked me the question the way that you just have. And and I'll answer it honestly, but I can I can tell you if I answer it honestly, it's not nearly as glorious of, of a, uh, of an origin as I would like it to be. <laughs> so, so it, it grew out of this. I was at Photoshop world in Orlando, Florida, and I was with the publisher of my books and a, a competing book company was able to convince Adobe to have a live feed featuring their book during my keynote. Oh, I had to pay $1500 for an internet drop to promote somebody else's book and I was writing a book on the same topic and I was oh. really I was really I was really mad at my publisher. And and not so much her cuz that's not her job but her marketing guy. So we were having breakfast one morning in the what is now the Hyatt hotel. And I was venting my anger at like, I can't believe I just paid to have this guy's book published on my stage during my, kid. and I'm just, I'm going on. And she's like, "Well, well, what could we have done? And I said, you could have done anything. You could have, your marketing guy could have come up with something cool. Like we could have done a, I don't know, like a worldwide photo walk to promote the book or something. That was the creation of it? I know it sounds so sad. And she goes, worldwide photo walk. That sounds great. How do we do that? And I'm like, I don't know. I'm still mad at your marketing guy. And she goes, no, no, this is, this is really good. And I go, that's just an an idea off the top of my head. And I said, but it would have been great. Imagine like photographers all over the world coming together for this walk. And then we we give them all a copy of the book. It would have been a great thing to like launch the book. Like, look, we're doing this. And she's like, we should do this. Do you think we could do this? And I'm like, I don't know, because I'm upset. It's like, first off, it's morning. (laughs) So I'm not a morning guy. Exactly. I'm seriously legitimately like, I can't believe that my publisher's marketing guy let me down like this. And she's really into this photo walk. And I said, well, she goes, how many people do you think we could get? And I go, well, if we could get one per state, that would be awesome. And I said, but we could do it internationally. I said, I have some friends, I know some friends around the world. I mean, we won't be able to get it everywhere, but I know some people. So literally we said, okay, well maybe we should do that. I walk out of breakfast and literally talk about just luck. I walk out and there's Ed Davis. Ed Davis is a teacher, a professor of photography in London. And I said, hey Ed, if I did a photo walk in London would you lead it? And he said, sure.
0: Oh my gosh.
1: And that was it. So that's what started. And so I'm like, so I said, hey Nancy I've already got five photo walks and one of them is in London. And that was it. And we did the first one. And we had like 700 cities around the world. It, How many it, years ago was that? This is our 10th anniversary this year. So it was 10 years ago. See, because it's brilliant because you not only just have people
0: gather and shoot, but you it's so organized, right? You've got a, a leader in each city. Oh, and yeah. So you get you really get people involved in different aspects of almost like a business of photography. And and not only do you be, bring photographers in for that. But, and I think Brad still runs this for you as your guest blog Wednesdays that you do on your blogs, which I love. I read those yeah. religiously, right? Because- again, Well, you're a guest blogger. I did a guest blog. I think it was- An
1: awesome guest blog, an, by the uh, way.
0: End of August, I think. Yeah, it was um, awesome. Oh, I would do those anytime. I got so many things I, I could say.
1: And you're such a great photographer.
0: Well, thank you very much. You have no idea what that means coming from yeah. you. No, I seriously. Tell you.
1: You, you rock. And I don't mean that as like a metaphor or a pun. Yeah, that's really, you know. But it
0: was a good one though.
1: Thank you. Yeah. All right. So which brings us to your photography. All right, Steve, before we do that, though. Yeah. Just so we get this down in paper or on air. Can you re-ask me the question about how the Worldwide Photo Walk? And I'll give you the answer that everybody would really like to hear.
0: Oh, heck yeah. OK, let's. So let's uh, ahead, OK, ready? And get. scene. So, Scott, you do this amazing thing. The Scott Kelby Annual Worldwide Photo Walk.
1: How did you come up with that? Well, Steve, I feel like photographers need, they need the social aspect to to come together. You know, really, when you think about it, no matter where we're from or what our cultures are or what our religions are, when it comes to photography, we're really just one group. And so I thought, wouldn't it be great if for one day we could put aside our differences, our boundaries, our borders, our cultural differences, and come together to celebrate photography as people. And that's why and how, exactly how I created the Worldwide I, I think you were just channeling
0: the zen of Trey Ratcliffe. That was very Trey, wasn't it? Yeah. And, and I've never seen the two of you in a room together. So I'm just saying. No, Trey and I did, the, did an episode
1: of The Grid together. I know, and I have pictures I of me and Trey. Yeah. In fact, you, Trey, and Rick, I think, once. Yes. Yeah. And I, I visited Trey at his, house in, his home in New Zealand. Cleaver and I went and visited him.
0: I had him on this fall and that was that was just such one of my favorite episodes of all time. He's
1: awesome. Trey is awesome. He's a, I, I would, he I would a very, actually
0: suggest he's brilliant.
1: He's, he's a Zen master. Yeah, there's no question. He's a great photographer. I think he tries. I think Trey tries <clears throat> to do a lot of good. I think he really does. I think he's a good guy.
0: So you speaking of good photographers, this is one of the huge reasons I wanted to have you on everything we've talked about. Right is the business end of of Scott Kelby. And it doesn't get talked about enough because people think, "Oh, well, he went and he shot these shots for his video series or whatever. What an amazing freaking artist you are." And and like our buddy Rick, you specialize kind of in not specializing, right? I mean, you go look at your site. I spent the weekend three or four different times looking at your portfolio. You've got portfolios for fashion and beauty for people, for travel, for sports, for one of the hardest things on earth to photograph, automobiles, right, because of reflections. But I've also seen wedding pictures from you, architecture pictures from you. And I'm sitting here last night, not kidding here, not not just blowing air at you, right? Sitting here last night with my wife going through your portfolio. And shot after shot, <gasps> Oh um, my, that was our entire night last night. So first of all, to the viewers, if you have not checked out Scott Kelby's portfolio, he's got tennis shots in there. I didn't know you'd shot tennis. You've got a tennis shot in there that just blew me. The back of Tiger Woods, and you know it's Tiger Woods, right? Um, Just, ah, wow. And also, while you're on his blog, look at his about page. You have the most fun about page I think I've ever seen. <laughs> Thank you. you list your favorite movies, and by the way, you pick the right ones. So that brings us to your photography again. Your photos are amazing, and I'm going to do something different today. I- I'd like to go through two of your shots. And sure. the reason is because these
1: two shots are shot at the same location. W- where was this location at? So the location is, it's in a, an abandoned mansion, and the mansion has been abandoned <clears throat> for, for many, many, many years. I guess it was stuck in some bank or state thing. Um, and it, it's in, it, the mansion is actually located in a very, very small town called Howie in the Hills, Florida. And this is the Howie Mansion. So it's Mr. Howie's former mansion. And, and they, the, it's just open for photography or? Well, they, they unfortunately, it's now closed for photography. It was open for a very short time. Uh, you could uh, donate some money to the restoration project or whatever and they would let you come in and shoot. And they were letting photo groups in. And so a friend of mine uh, went there with a photo group and she called me and she said, Scott, you, you got to see this place for a fashion shoot. This would just be incredible. Uh, it's mostly open, there's a little bit of furniture, you'll really super love it, you should go do it. So that's what I did, I, I, I contacted through her and we arranged it, it was very inexpensive. I think literally it was maybe five, $600 for the day for the entire mansion. And we'd have the place to ourselves. And basically they just come and unlock the door and you stay there until you're ready to leave. You call them up and they come and lock the door. So that was it. So that's where it was in, in middle of nowhere, Florida. So before I bring
0: up any of the shots, there's something I see in your photography and I'm curious if, if you're aware of it because with all the different things you shoot, by the way, somebody walks up to you or you meet somebody that doesn't know who you are, which happens,
1: right? all the time you <laughs> shoot so many different things and like, how do you describe what you do for a living really here's what i say i'm a photographer and i and i photograph three things uh people travel and sports now okay, i also do encompasses everything yeah because people covers you know all of the things uh travel i think i pull my architecture in there because most of my architecture photography is international uh and it doesn't really cover automotive <laughs> so uh, automotive you know, I I'm still I'm still struggling with automotive. I I am I'm, I'm kind of a student of automotive photography. Tim Wallace is the guy that got me hooked on it. Uh Tim Wallace is a very very famous UK-based photographer and a friend of ours. And uh, Tim did a class on Kelby One and I actually went home and I went to my garage and I did my first shoot using his techniques. And and he gives you all the settings. He's use these settings, use this softbox, do it just like this. I took my picture, first picture, and I was like, oh my gosh, it works just like you said. And, so- are,
0: it, it, and it's such a, I don't want to say it's such a you know, unique specific genre because a lot of people do it, but a lot of people just don't do it well, right? I, I was talking with a friend of mine who's a concert photographer in LA, but he used to be the photographer for Butterfield and Butterfield Auction House. So he had to photograph Elvis's car and Ooh. the ruby red slippers. And and the ruby red slippers made me think of automobiles because you've got specular highlights and reflections, you know, everywhere. It's, it's amazing. And here's the other thing that I see in your photography. And I'm trying to think how, how to phrase it, right? There is a rhythm in all of your shots. I, I don't know how else to describe it. There is, there is this smooth feel in all of your shots. And I've often wondered with your musical background, does that play a role? Does your understanding of music and flow and rhythm play a role in how you visually present things?
1: I I really don't know. I mean, I I think we're all kind of a product of our upbringing, right? of of our roots, and we always play music on the set, uh, and so that helps. <laughs> but I I don't know. I think that I I well, I think that that everything we do is kind of built upon who we are and where we came from. So it's probably more subconscious than it is conscious, you know. I'm not thinking, you know, anything different while I'm doing this shoot. I'm not thinking, hey, because I'm a musician, I'm gonna photograph this, this way, or that way. The only time I think like that is when I'm literally photographing guitars, which is a real pain in the butt for the reasons that you just mentioned. Yeah that cars are their very reflective surface. <laughs> well and you've got a
0: you've got a heck of a collection of guitars, too. Like, so got a lot of good terms, let's yeah. start with of these two shots. Let's start with the one indoors where, where she's, you know, sitting on the ground by the window. Um, The first thing I saw when I saw this shot is the textural differences. So you've got the curtains, you've got the couch. So you've got a couple of things of fabric, right? You've yep. also got a different colored curtains over the doorway leading to the back hall that has this beautiful, like old Spanish texture on that back wall. That back wall is one of my favorite parts of the shot. That's great. You've got the fireplace, but then you have wood floors, right? All of these textures come together to surround, as it were, to almost hug this lady looking out the window. When, when you laid this shot out in your mind, were you thinking of
1: those textures and p- positioning her? Okay. So first I have to tell you, I had an art director on this shot. So um, the concept is my wife, Calibras. So on a lot of shoots, she will come as art director. And so she was the one that said, "Here's the mo-. she chose the model, she chose the outfits, she chose the styling, the hair, and the story the model is telling." Now, so we had hair, we had a makeup artist, hair stylist, we had a makeup artist, I had two um, two assistants on set as photography assistants. We had a third assistant there just to help for any of the other things that we didn't think about, and we had. Libra doing the, the photo styling. So that is my secret weapon, Steve, is well, that I only have to worry about lighting and and the photography and the angles and things like that, where she worries about telling the story, the outfits, and all the other stuff.
0: Which explains why I I don't know if anybody's seen your wife's iPhone shot. She does a lot of iPhone photography on Instagram. And that explains why her iPhone iPhone photography is yeah. the quality that it is, is because she has that that untangible vision of a photograph so you sit down to capture this and I don't know if the EXIF data that I pulled up because the shots do have EXIF data are accurate but if the the shots in this are accurate, this was ISO 200, F2.8 at 70 millimeters and I've seen the behind the scenes that you showed me on this, you're also down on the ground with her as you can tell from looking at the shot but a 70 to 200 lens, at 70 millimeters. And you shot this at one fiftieth of a second. And if I'm not mistaken, it looked like it was handheld.
1: Uh, it actually was on a tripod. So the settings that are there are what I, I would say are not the optimum settings for that shot. So uh, it, was on, it was on a tripod. So I took my legs and I splayed them way out. So they're, they're literally splayed out, out. And I'm sitting on the floor, which is not where I like to be. Um, but I'm sitting down low. I have my laptop on a tripod right down low so I can see the images as they come in uh, because I want to be at that level shooting down on people is it's it's the that's the standard you know angle we all have I, I think to make the image more dynamic you have to get down low like that I'm shooting a 70 to 200 but I had to back up all the way to 70 millimeter to get the full to almost make it look like a wide angle shot but it's a seventy to two hundred, and I'm racked all the way down to seventy, or all the way back to seventy. Was this now, the
0: framing that you had in camera?
1: Yeah, that's that's not cropped. That's not, at, at all. I don't believe it's cropped at all. I think that's pretty much the the full frame. Uh, I can look at the raw wow. original, but I'm almost certain. I don't think it's cropped.
0: Then, then you have a brilliant eye through the lens because I, in my head, my questions are useless now. In my head, it was you perfectly just were right above that one curtain rod. You you split the fireplace and the couch at, at, a, at just a wonderful spot. That was a natural break.
1: <laughs> well, I, I you, think it was, I think it's the full frame. I think what you're seeing is the full shot. And, and that was, I wish I was as, as attention had attention to detail as that comes off. Uh, I took a lot of shots, Steve. <laughs> I was like, click, 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 click. And I'm, zooming in and I'm zooming out and I'm slightly changing things and stuff I'm looking for at the end of the day, when I'm editing it, I'm looking for the best like expression from her and then how it looks in the room. But you know, if she has a bad expression or a, it, she moved in an uncomfortable way or something and her clothes look funky or something. We're constantly having the stylists like, you know, change her outfit and all making sure you don't have weird wrinkles or weird stuff. Cause fixing that stuff in Photoshop is a nightmare. And I know that there's retouchers you could send it out that would have no problem with it, but I don't have that kind of patience, Steve. <laughs> I've got to get it right in camera. So with the lighting then it looks like it's just window light. Is there any other lighting in here? Uh, it is just window light, but Steve, the window light was too harsh. So uh we 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 had her lay down, we we took the first shot and it's clipping. It's clipping on her face and it's clipping on her clothes, and I'm not happy with it. So what we did was we took a shower curtain liner. Now we we brought that with us. This is a typical thing that I would do for natural light shoots. Uh you go to uh, Walmart or Target and you don't buy a shower curtain, you buy a shower curtain liner. And it's a kind clear of clear thing. It's it's like it's not clear like it's foggy. Like, yeah, it's like foggy. It's like translucent or whatever. Yeah. So uh, it's a buck ninety nine at Walmart, and if you get the Target version, it's four ninety nine. But it it is, and we literally went and taped it up over the windows. We literally just took some gaffers tape, taped it up on the outside of the windows, just so we would have beautiful light instead of that because it's coming in, it's harsh light. A piece of glass, people think that oh well, you're you know you want the light coming through the window. It's that piece of glass is clear. It's nasty light. And it was clipping her face and it was not flattering. So once we put that, once you put it's like if, if I was to hold if I were to hold it here in front of you, Steve, you would think I was holding the front of a softbox. It looks like the diffusion panel from the front of a softbox. That's how uh-huh. that $1.99 Target or Walmart, it, it's the most amazing stuff. You get some gaffers tape and tape it over the outside of the window. And all of a sudden, the light becomes beautiful. All your clipping problems go away. It's soft. It's nice. And okay, I, I
0: need anymore. to try that. And what's funny is my next question was, how did you keep it from blowing out her face? <laughs> <No>. <laughs> so there I'm, you bring, go. I'm bringing you on every interview, my friend. <laughs> so you you shoot this thing. yep. And I'm guessing, knowing your work, this was really close in camera. Exposure dead on. Um you know, focused at, what do you do to a shot like this? I mean, obviously different subjects are going to be different, but, but a shot like this, when you do pull this up in Lightroom and or Photoshop,
1: mm-hmm. what do
0: you do to this to make you happy?
1: Um, first, I look for anything that's distracting in the photo. So any little, like a spot or a bright area or something in the background, it could be a string on her clothing or anything. The uh, first thing I look for is distracting stuff. And and I just literally get rid of them. I use either the clone stamp tool or the healing brush, but I get rid of distracting things on the floor. Before you do any correction. Yeah, I pretty much get rid of those first uh, because it, the only time I don't do that is if the white balance is off. If the white balance is off, I feel like I have to fix okay. that first. But otherwise, when I look at the photo, I'm like, "Ooh, I got to get rid of this stuff. So I kind of get rid of that stuff first. Uh, then mostly what I wind up doing is I add contrast, uh, a lot of the times when you're shooting, here's the thing, when you're shooting raw, right, your camera turns off all of the stuff inside your camera that's supposed to make your photos look good. turns off the sharpening, the contrast, the vibrance, it turns off all that stuff and you get a flat raw photo. So when you open that photo in Lightroom, it looks very flat. It looks, it's it is not that, and you're still seeing the JPEG on the back of the camera. So the back of the camera, and in my case, I'm seeing it in Lightroom, When it first comes in Lightroom, it's very warm and rich and awesome. And then it says loading and it loads the raw photo. It's very flat. So I'm adding contrast is number one. That's a big thing that I add to all of my photos. And, you know, I talk to people and they'll go, well, how much contrast do you add? You know, and I'm like, I don't know, a hundred. They're like, you add a hundred? And I go, if it has people in it, I don't. But if it doesn't have people, I generally add like 80 to a hundred contrast. If it has people in it, I gotta be careful that you don't sunburn the people or whatever. But but I I crank the I crank the contrast a lot. I add a little bit of clarity, which by the way is just another form of contrast. It's mid-tone contrast. Right. I add a little bit of clarity.
0: Clarity um, well, you know, is I, one of my favorite tools and also one of the things that I just it's like telling people, you know, get away from the car. Yeah. You know, back away from the clarity slider, but used properly. Oh yeah. It's the difference between a, a, a star photo and a mediocre photo.
1: Well, I, I think of it as a detail enhancer. So yeah. I use it to bring out detail in the wood, detail in the walls that you liked in the back. And honestly, Steve, I'd love to take credit for, you know, those walls and all the depth that's in that photo. We were just very lucky. And honestly, it is it is part of it is having an amazing location. So you take that that same model and the same styling and the same thing and do it in the studio and you're like, that's okay. I mean, the, the, the location gets a lot of the credit here and Calibra's Story having her look out the window, and and her story was by the way, to the model, she goes and tells the model, Okay, here you're gonna have to do a little bit of acting. Here's the story uh, you've lived in this fabulous mansion and you've lived this charmed life, and you had this wonderful husband. Oh, that
0: answers so much,
1: yep. And then, but but then, you know, he's leaving you, he's leaving, and you see him leave out the front door, and you run to the window, and you're like, You're overcome with grief, and you open it, and you see him driving away, and that's the story you're. You just want him to look back and see you, and and turn around and come back. This and isn't so a
0: photograph. You've you, this is a scene, literally.
1: Right. It's and that's that's what she does. And so and and so, Steve, I realized, and and I, I sat her down one day, and I was very frustrated with my photography, and she, and she's like, "Well, why are you frustrated?" And I said, "Because I I don't have neat ideas. Like I can light stuff, and you know." And I said, but. I'm, my ideas are kind of like, okay, let's put up a gray background. Okay, stand there. And I'll focus on the lighting and I'm all focused on this stuff. But I said, I think I could do much better, but I I don't have the idea to start with. And so I asked her, she came to one of my shoots just to kind of help out one day. And she called me aside and says, you're getting involved in so many things that don't have anything to do with the creative process you know, and there's so many people on your set and there's so much stuff going on. I don't know how you get anything done. And so I I asked her, could you come on my next shoot and just help? And so she just kind of stood in the background and she'd come over and go, why don't you do this? Why don't you do that? I'm like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. And that was it. Then I'm like, okay, you're my art director. So in this case, I told her, I said, we're going to go to this Howie Mansion. And she said, well, I'll pick the models. And she always, she is so good at picking models, right? She really looks at facial structure and she looks at all these different things. And then she picks the right outfit for the right model for the story that she wants to tell. Steve, do you know how easy that makes my job?
0: Oh, yeah. So now but see, all I here's, here's the other thing though that I think is key to, to get out of that, especially for, for I don't wanna say amateurs, for beginners or, or serious professionals that wanna get better is so many people will suggest to a photographer, you know, my, my wife does it to me. Um, you know, maybe you should do this, but the photographer, there's two ways that you can take that. Right, you're challenging my artistic, you know, nature. I-, I can do this. Is one way that a lot of uh, artistic people will react. Of I want to do this, and other artistic people like yourself will take that input in and make something with it. And that openness should not be undersold. That is a key factor of taking feedback, constructive feedback, and using it, not being offended by. It.
1: Well, you know, I, I kind of reached out for her to help, For help, but can I tell you something? When you see a big fashion shoot, it, it is always a team effort. I mean, it, it, fashion, I think more than anything, like when I go shoot sports, it's me, right? Every rare once in a while, if it's a bowl game, it's me and a runner who will run the cards, you know, uh, and, and like edit the photos to send them into the wire service. But other than that, it's, it's just me. When I'm doing travel photography, it's me. When I'm doing portraits in the studio, it's me and an assistant. But when you do fashion, it's, it's a show. It's like now you got have all these people and all, because it takes an entire team. And, and, when, when, and that was another kind of realization in my career when I realized if you want to shoot fashion and have it actually look like fashion, and, and by the way, I want to make this distinction because I see a lot of people will call photos fashion, that that are not fashion they're their glamour or their uh portraits uh, fashion is about the clothing and and it's not about the sexiness or any of that stuff it is about the clothing and the scene and the message and the vibe where a lot of a lot of people are, are selling the kind of the sexy look and saying oh this is fashion and they'll put it under the category of fashion you're like that's that's not really fashion, that's glamour. And I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with that, but I think for a lot of people don't realize what the difference between fashion and glamour is. Glamour is the sexy look, fashion is the editorial kind of it's a it's a, a a very, very different look. And and this is great. I think it was, I want to give the credit to if I think it, I believe it was a fashion photographer from New York, Melissa Rod Rodwell. I think it was her that said this and and she wrote an article and it was called Why Pretty Girls Make Lousy Models. And she said, and she had these screen captures. She said, go to Google and type in pretty girl. <laughs> and, and it said, look at all those nice round faces. They look great in, in uh, you know, they look great as a girlfriend and they look great as a picture at the beach and all. Now go type in editorial model and look what shows up. And it was like a completely different species of person. It was like from a different planet. And she said, this is, this is the difference. And, and so you're looking for a different type of model when you're doing fashion than you would be for portraits or glamor or anything else. And it was having that realization. And then when I started to do research, I realized you have, to have, you have to have a hairstylist and you have to have someone doing makeup and you have to have a stylist. A stylist is in charge of the, uh, the clothing and stuff. And so I, I went to New York and I did my first shoot a number of years ago where I did it. I hired a stylist, hair, makeup, uh, rented a studio in New York City. I did it one time and I'm like, that's it. I get it. I totally get it. Like once you get there and you realize that it takes a team, it really does for fashion to pull it off the way you want to. It's not just grab a camera, take a friend out. You know, it's like, it's right. Right. It's, it's a mess.
0: (laughs) But but still you as a photographer though, you still have to pull off the technical end of it. And you mentioned something. I think a lot of people struggle with, and that is that you'll usually remove distractions first unless the white balance is off. So on a shot like this one, what do you do you put a gray card in there? Or what do you do to get your white balance right on this?
1: So in the studio, I use a lot of gray cards. On location, the only time I use a gray card is when I think I have a problem. I have a gray card with me. But if I look because I'm trying to generally make my scene warmer than accurate. So I wouldn't say that when I'm doing a fashion shoot or i'm I'm not trying for accurate white balance, I'm trying for a flattering white balance. Okay, so makes I'm, sense. I'm normally going to go with warmer. In fact, that you can go to a camera store and stay and say, "I don't want a gray card. I want a warm card. And they will give you a special level of gray that is designed to make the image warmer than it would be. like wedding and portrait photographers should use a warm card. For the rest of the world, would we'll use a gray card. I'm not looking for accurate. I really want flattering, and people look more flattering, uh, warmer. They just they just do. So look in my in my picture here uh, that you're seeing on the podcast. I look very blue. <laughs> if you wanted to make me look better, and and maybe in post, I'm praying that you will. You would just literally make me warmer, and that would that would make a big difference. So, so did you, did you, is this auto white balance in this shot? Yep, that's auto white balance. Yeah. Now it's possible I switched it to daylight. In fact, you know what? If you'll give me a split second, I'll look it up here.
0: Yeah, and, and, and just, while
1: you do that. If I have my, my, uh, my raw file handy, because I might, in which case I can open it up and I can tell you a little bit more. But uh, I, I wish I could take, a, uh, like, really brag about the awesome uh, <laughs> the awesome post that, that was done to it. But, uh, just but not.
0: It, it's like you say, though, it, it, and, and it's what I, I started with, and that is your photos look so natural. But again, like you say, not necessarily natural light, they just look like you would be in that room with this person and you're, you're standing in there. And I love that, that realism that you get on shots like this. And, and the next shot is the same way. On the second shot, it's the same location. It's the same, same building.
1: Oh yeah, it's the opposite side of the room where she, where she's at walking into the room where you're seeing that first shot.
0: And and this one isn't, again, this is a scene. It's not just a photo. I and, and this is the reason I love this podcast. And it's kind of what I wrote the blog post on your thing about. Most photographers would have had those doors closed, would have posed that girl in front of the doors. Okay, making sure her head's in a clean spot, right? But they would have, Olin Mills, you know, Posed her on the step, looking at the camera. That's not this. This is a scene from The Bachelor, right? I mean, this is a this is a scene of a woman running away from her man. I, there, there's literally this picture
1: tells me a story. Well, she Calibra talked to the model because it's a different model for this shot, and she told her, uh, "I want this to be the Cinderella story. You've run and you're running and you're you're trying to get away. Uh, and and I don't remember the exact story, but it was based on Cinderella." And she goes, you're running up these steps and you look back, you know, like he's yelling to you. And that was that was the. But she she tells it much more eloquently than I just did, which is why she's the art director. Uh, But so once we have that that shot set up, Steve, now I've got my this is where I kick in. So inside the door, you can't see we have a fan. So and that's the kind of stuff that I have to figure out. Okay, well, I got to get her. I got to have. So I would always try to get is a little bit of fan just to get body and move a little bit of movement in the hair, right? I don't always want it blowing like, you know, she's in a storm, but I always put a fan there. So there's a fan just inside the door. And I also believe there is a reflector. Yeah, there is a reflector inside that door because her face was a little dark. So we're trying to push a little of the light coming in back into her face. Now, the the part of her dress that is throwing up in the air. Is that from could, the fan? no, the fan wouldn't even budget. So the fan, that these dresses are heavy, right? So the dresses come from, we rent these dresses. Uh, that dress is from Dream Shoot Rentals in New York City, which is a company owned by Lindsay Adler, who was a fashion photographer based in New York. And so you just rent the dress, like these really expensive, crazy dresses that you just can't go to Macy's and buy a dress like this, you know, so you have to, you have to get them someplace else. So she lets you rent them for a fraction of what you pay. So What would happen is my assistant Rob would would literally go throw the dress up in the air and then jump out of the scene real quick and hide behind one of the pillars that you see. So he's just outside of this? He is literally just outside the screen. Now I have pictures where he didn't get out in time and her dress is up and she's got this amazing pose and he's running back, you know. So I always take a plate shot, which is a shot that's empty while I'm on the tripod. I take a shot that's empty. So if I have to clone him out later. I have the whole, I can put the plate on top and just clone him out. But, uh, no, after a few test shots, he was really quick about getting out. Well, because the dress, not
0: only that, compliment him. Because the dress (laughs) itself is in the perfect spot, right? I mean, you don't know when you throw a dress where it's going to go. And yet... It went vertical instead of staying horizontal. It filled the open area of that wall that would have been really great if it had artwork, but without artwork, oh, hey, you know
1: what? We have a dress. Steve, I could show you 50 shots where it wasn't on the money. So that's the thing. You choose the one where it was in the right spot. And I, Steve, I have so many shots where we flew we, we it and either the model's not looking the right way or I just timed it poorly. I mean, I do have a ton of those. You're, you only, of course, I mean, that's part of being a professional photographer is only showing your best work. So while I have 50 shots that we probably, Steve, we tried it again and again and again and again, because you're trying to get everything to come together at the right time. And we took a few where her hair wasn't moving enough. That's how I knew we got to put a fan in there. Oh, there's not enough light on her face when she turns her head. We got to put a reflector. So, but Steve, I'm free to do that stuff. I'm free to worry about those details because I'm not trying to tell her a story. I'm not trying to worry about all this stuff. That's what having that extra person on the set that has the concept and stuff. I mean, I just, I can't give her enough credit for her, for her eye and for her storytelling capabilities and then it leaves it up to me and when we do it together we have so much fun because we see it coming together we're like oh it's coming together you know it's so it's is fun. this also just natural light
0: yes okay and now now the sixty-four thousand dollar question you shot a human being with a 16 millimeter lens if the exif data on this is right and i don't think i that read is, the exif data but it's iso yeah. 400 f 2.8 3 of a second so three twentieth did freeze the dress and 16 millimeters. And I've watched the grid 16 million times and you don't shoot humans with
1: a 16 millimeter normally. Right. What made you choose 16? Well, because I'm trying to, I was intentionally trying to do this editorial look. So a lot of times I'm really in close on the person. In this case, we had such an amazing location. I'm trying to tell more of the story. And the thing you have to do with a sixteen millimeter is just make darn sure your subject isn't anywhere near the edges to when minimize
0: do, to minimize any distortion. distortion. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Do so, you
1: use profile correction then? I, I do, but it still doesn't help. Uh, the profile correction really it, it takes like the if the image is bowed out, it it takes it out and it removes the vignetting, but it's not going to take the distortion out of the corners. I mean, it, or out of the edges. If your subject gets too close on a 16, it's just instantly dead. It's dead. So she is in a good spot. And I I had to take a few test shots to make sure she wasn't distorting. It is not my first choice, Steve, for portraits, for sure. But if you want to tell a story, because there's no sense in me going there. And by the way, I did this just to see. There's no sense in going to this amazing location and then doing a close-up on her twerk. you could have shot it at your house. I mean, we drove we drove miles, Steve, hours away from where we are to get to this. And by the way, we also and this is going to sound yeah, this is there's a story this is there's a great lesson in here. We ha- we had to rent a U-Haul to carry the amount of lighting equipment I took. So when we got to the location, my two assistants and myself unloaded an entire U-Haul into a make-ready room. So if you were, so and you know the picture of her lying down, yeah. If you walk through that curtain and you take, look left, it was just equipment all the way. The entire room was full of lights and just scrims and everything you could possibly imagine. And we never used a light the entire day. We never, we, we actually, at the end of the day, we did a, a shot that was just a complete bomb, which was to mount a flash into, a, into an umbrella and shoot smoke up into it. It came out terrible that was the only thing we used was one single hot shoe flash for the entire day. We never set up a light. We brought all these C stands and an entire truck full of stuff, but you were dumb. If you go to a location that has beautiful light and you go, let's set up lights just because we brought them. Right. Right. So I got there and everybody was like, okay, we got all the lights out. And I'm like, let's take a couple of test shots. And I'm like, guys, we're not going to set up the lights. And of course, the assistants that just unloaded the truck want to stab me. But, they all realized. We all realized we've got beautiful light here. All it took for us to get beautiful light was really that that shower curtain, yeah, and, that and a
0: reflector when you need and, it. And, and yep, and like you say, if you go to a beautiful location, a beautiful environment, you have to know ahead of time you're going to want the environmental portrait. Yeah, you're not, not going to want a close up of somebody's ring.
1: Right, uh-huh. and that's why I use the 16, Steve. And you're you, you, you're right. I normally wouldn't shoot with the 16, uh, and I also sent you a, a a third shot of the the whole room. Like here's the room where we're at, and the 16 works marvelously in there as long as I don't let my subject get too close to the edge. Because and I'll really...
0: put those behind the shot, but the behind the scene shots in the blog post that goes with this. Right. Awesome. So that people can see them because the one of you down on the ground shooting the girl that's on the ground, by the way, this one, the second one of her walking in through the door, mm-hmm. that one you could have shot standing at eye height. You chose to shoot that down on the ground. Why?
1: Because here's when you're, this is what I've learned about shooting wide. If you get down low with a 16 or a 14, it makes things look epic. And it sounds crazy but it changes the epicness on a level. Uh, When I was on my last seminar tour, I showed a picture of a bride. So the bride, we're outside the church and she is on the pew on the outside and she has a very lovely pose. And And I took the same shot with a 16 and then I put the 16 all the way on the ground and shot the same one. And I showed the difference between just changing from the perspective. I didn't change the lens, camera setting, not a single thing, just from standing, one looks like an epic thing you'd you'd enter in a contest. The other one looks like a snapshot. It, it's there. There is a real secret to super wide angles being down really really low, and so that's that's why I intentionally shot it so low because I want this bigger than life because it's not a very big area where we're shooting. But with that sixteen, it looks so wide. The room that we're shooting in is not that big, but when you use that sixteen, it looks like a it looks like a a the, the, uh, banquet room in a palace, but it's not, it's a, it's a small room. Well, see, it's
0: what I call child's view. We always joke about the fact that for children, oh, the world is this giant, amazing place. So if you become a child, suddenly the world really is a giant, amazing place. You know, it's like the old TV. I'm going to date myself. I was going to say land of the giants. I better not do that.
1: I remember land of the giants, but that was for, that was for old people. I thought.
0: Yeah. Well, yeah. Thanks. Appreciate that. Uh, I cannot say thank you enough because going through these two shots is enlightening in many, many ways. Again, same room, same building, same shoot day. It's so enlightening for this. But for the viewers, if you, again, if you have not gone and looked at Scott's photography, if you're into photography enough to watch a photography podcast, I already know you know who Scott Kelby is, right? You're probably a Kelby One member. And if you're not, why not? Um but you're probably already a Kelby One member. You may go to his seminars. I I know you were just in San Diego by me recently. Yep. And you know him for all of these reasons. Do not miss the fact he is a world-class photographer and you need to see this guy's work. Where where can people go to find out more about Scott Kelby?
1: Well, there's always my daily blog, uh, scottkelby.com. I write a daily blog. Uh, and there's a link to my portfolio there, uh, and let's see where else. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter, uh, on Facebook. I'm Scott Kelby on Twitter. On Facebook, unfortunately, I'm facebook.com/skelby. S K Kelby. B Y one word.
0: Uh, Instagram, so
1: you're Scott Kelby though. Instagram, I'm, I'm at Scott Kelby. Yeah, either, any of those places are pretty. The the blog's good because the blog has a link to my portfolio. It's got an about me that you mentioned earlier, and so it's kind of my home base, I guess.
0: And I've got a bunch of links also for Kelby One, uh, for Photoshop World, for YouTube. I've got all of those. I'll put those in the blog post as well. I'm super digging you. And please compliment your wife because she does an amazing job. She they should does, follow. Um, what is her Instagram? Because people should
1: follow her on Instagram too. She is Calibra. I believe it's Calibra Kelby. Calibra K E L B Y K A L E B R A Kelby. Okay. At, and she's on Instagram. Yeah, her stuff's. She's what she gets out of an iPhone really just makes me angry. Really, just like, come on. And I look at her sometimes and I'll go, you took that with your phone. And she looks at me like, what else would I have taken it with? And I'm like, okay.
0: Again, Scott, this has been a great time chatting with you. I appreciate it very much. To everybody that's watching, make sure you go check out the blog post associated with this. It's at thisweekinphoto.com. Click the link for Behind the Shot. Find this episode with Scott. You'll find a bunch of his other pictures there as well and a whole bunch of information on him and all the links to all the Kelby One stuff and Scott Kelby information that you need. That does it for this episode of Behind the Shot. Thank you very much for uh, watching. If there's anything you need, always reach out to me. We'll see you next time. Hey there, I'm Frederick Van Johnson.
1: Thanks for checking out the TWIP Network on YouTube. If you'd like to keep up to date with the shows we're putting out, be sure to click subscribe. And while you're at it, give us a thumbs up. You can also
0: subscribe on thisweekinphoto.com where you'll find lots of other great photography shows. Thanks for watching the TWIP Network on YouTube.